0: Hey everybody today's episode of day two cloud is sponsored by datadog and you've probably heard them they're a pretty popular monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications if you'd like to know more you can visit datadog.com day two cloud and get your free datadog t-shirt that's datadog.com slash day two cloud
1: Welcome to Date Do cloud And today, oh Ned, oh today, more monitoring. Well, sort of monitoring. It's actually more like visualization. So we're going to talk about Grafana. Grafana is an open source uh, project, uh, free open source software that you can use to visualize data that you've gathered from somewhere. And you can do time series data and you can do other kinds of data and present that as well and make pretty dashboards and lots of people use it. And and that's the conversation we're having today, Ned. Um, now that, you know, the, the, we're looking back on the conversation because we've already had it. What uh, what stuck out to you?
0: I, I think there were a number of assumptions that I came in with about how Grafana would work, how it interacts with data sources, where it's storing and manipulating the data. And Ryan was like, no, no, you're completely wrong about all of that. And let me tell you how it actually works. And I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised about how, Grafana handles all of those different items.
1: Yeah, uh, Ryan, you're about to meet him, uh, VP of Applications at Grafana and an excellent conversationalist. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. So Ryan McKinley, welcome to the Day2Cloud podcast. Uh, Hey man, I think uh, maybe a lot of people haven't met you before because you've never been a guest on Day2Cloud. So just briefly, we don't need your whole life story, not the whole thing, but uh, tell us who you are and
2: what you do. See, I am Ryan McKinley. Um, I've been working at Grafana for about a year. I'm their VP of applications, which who knows what that means. But uh, historically, I've worked with Grafana for many years, probably the last five years as a user. Um, Previously, I was using it to monitor a test facility for a hydroelectric turbine. So it was instrumenting... Um, this equipment and figuring out how to work with it. Had worked with a bunch of, let's say, commercial industrial software and then found that the solutions that the IT ops space has made for monitoring equipment is just so much better, so much more efficient, works better. So um, found Grafana in that, worked a bit with InfluxDB Um, And then really just started contributing to the community, working with it a lot, uh, pushing Grafana to help support me more. Um, And then over time, eventually was convinced to work for Grafana and now spend a lot of effort working on making Grafana an extendable platform. To support
1: a bunch of different kinds of applications. Doesn't sound like they had to twist your arm very hard. Uh, they said, you, you know, convinced you. It sounds like you uh, you drank the Kool-Aid, gargled it for a while, and you're like, yeah. yes, working there, absolutely. I think they struggle a little bit
2: because I think I was, you know, their most productive non-paid person. And then they switched <laughs> to paying me. And I think there was a lot of debate over whether that was a good idea or not. <laughs>
1: But, uh, <laughs> well, let, let, in, in a sense or two, Ryan, wh- what's Grafana? We've been talking around it. Just give us a give us the high level. So
2: Grafana is a, I'd say it's a platform for understanding how your applications are working. So big picture, that's the goal. Um, so it's, at some level, it's a dashboarding solution of connect your data to a visualization. And the visualizations and the structures that we work on are all about how do you understand what you're looking at? Um, many of our users are IT ops, kind of understanding their cloud infrastructure. Others are, I'd say, in the IoT space of understanding what hardware and physical physical equipment is actually doing. So Grafana tries to pull those together and give you an, an extendable platform to help understand what you're seeing.
0: Okay. Now, I've, I've worked with other monitoring solutions in the past. Uh, most notably, a system center operations manager, also called SCOM, uh, which mm-hmm. I think I still have the battle scars from. And that was uh, a, a non-trivial amount of effort to get up and running. So in comparison, what do I need to get Grafana up and running?
2: Well, so th- there's obviously two key parts. There's one part, which is like collecting metrics and data that is relevant to your application and to what you care about. And uh, the other part is building visualizations and dashboards that go with that. So in, I'd say the cloud native Prometheus space, the set of things that come out of the box that help you run a Grafana instance is really pretty impressive. So, you know, running Kubernetes, there's just the exporters that come with it. If you point Prometheus to it, and run Grafana, you pretty much have some really good dashboards out of the box. What I find really powerful about it is that by separating the sort of where your data comes from, where you visualize it, the world of what you can explain and show sort of expands a lot.
0: So okay, so I need to obviously collect metrics from anything that's yeah. producing metrics. And like you alluded to the world of cloud native, but you also talked about hydroelectric power plant, which is like totally different metrics. So like, how is that information flowing in? And is it being stored somewhere and then like consumed by Grafana? What's the sort of workflow for that?
2: So metrics is one side of it, which just in, in, in one regard, let's just call it a database. But there's different databases that work better with time series data. There's different databases that work better with, you know, secure um, tabular data. Prometheus works really well for like an expanding system that's changing over time and understanding what's there and and filtering it. For a hydroelectric turbine, we had essentially a real-time operating system that was collecting high-resolution data and uh, piping that into something that a lower resolution was streaming it to InfluxDB. So it's very similar workflow that you see but in that one is just higher resolution a bit more um you know a bit a, a well-known structure up front but then over time obviously you realize there's problems so you have to add new sensors to pull out data um different ways try new types of uh monitoring so all of the same types of tools but just the source in that case was a real-time operating system instead of a Prometheus scrape or, um, however it is you choose that. So that's the first part of like any monitoring system is like just understanding what your sig- signals and sensors show you. And then the second is what you're going to visualize and what actually indicates errors and what indicates system health. Um, cause you know, there's a lot of it, right? <laughs> it's like, Tons of stuff. So the real issues are getting your stuff, getting your sensors and signals into a state that you can ask it, uh, uh, "Are you okay?" Or if
1: you're not, what's the trends? Where Where are things going? Right. If I'm in setting up Grafana for myself, like I need the this the basic infrastructure to run the system. Yep. Um, do I need? Uh, let's say I'm going to run it on premises. Do I need a big server with a bunch of cores and a bunch of memory kind of thing, or? So, so again, a distinction between the monitoring, like the database, uh, and
2: that your usage of the database is going to vary so dramatically on what uh, what you're collecting, how much frequency, resolution. As far as Grafana itself, to a large degree, it is a very thin client that runs on very little resources, I
1: think,
0: mm.
2: Many of them run on like a hundred megs of memory. I think maybe even less in our sort of cloud infrastructure because mostly it's a front end application with a proxy. It,
1: because it Grafana, to- yeah, uh, okay, Grafana's not pulling data at all. It's just it's looking at data that's been collected in some other repository and and exactly. then and then making it pretty and. Uh, <laughs> You know actionable, if you will, in some way.
2: yeah, but interestingly, that first choice of where you store your data, how that happens, depends on so many things, like what your application is, what your organizational policies are, what your sort of what the person before you chose to sa- save them as. You know, they also represent sort of migration paths of like we used to think this was a good idea. we now think this is a good idea. And you know, I'll say both of those are probably reasonable choices, but they change over time. What's great about Grafana is that as a front end and as an entry into that, you can sort of, we look at both of those, we look at as many data sources as we can with a common kind of minimum schema. So, you know, is this represents a signal, represents a signal with some labels. Uh, This is a series, this is a table, we can turn that into a gauge. So by separating your where you store and how you store your data from how you pull it out and how you visualize it, you get a lot of benefits of the migration, of, of uh, you know, allowing these many reasonable choices
1: so grafana i'm not i'm not really worried about scaling grafana as such i mean i guess if i had an enormous number of people like asking it to plot graphs for me or something i suppose that would be an issue but generally speaking i don't need to be running distributed grafana that's not really a thing it doesn't sound like i mean again i'm gonna be really careful on on what it is (laughs) like
2: in the sort of most basic case of You've set up a database and you have thousands of users trying to look at graphs of that. The load there is really Grafana is sending that traffic to your database, pulling it back, formatting it. The graphing load is actually in your browser. So that's all client side. The things that do get a little more complicated is like once you set up alerts and we do have there's some backend processing where you can query for data from, you know, a SQL engine and then try to join it in with some other things. Like, again, the types of queries you do is really what determines the load, not so much the, the Grafana itself, because yeah. simple Grafana requires no, you know, no resources. It's
0: mm-hmm. pretty
2: much a static
1: site. So I had a question here that uh, I think maybe is wrong now that we've discussed this. The, the question, I, as I had originally phrased it was, how do I get data into Grafana? Let's talk about data sources. But I think the really that the the issue is I've got data living somewhere that is a data source, and I just need to point Grafana to the data source. Is that the more like the right way to think about it then? That's exactly the right way to think about it. Well, okay, so we can and still talk we, about
2: that. We at Grafana Labs sort of support, you know, some of the what we think are the sort of best practices. So Prometheus, Loki, um, being sort of key key players in this space, where Prometheus is a metric store that you have the various things you care about expose metrics and Prometheus will come along and ask periodically, hey, what's going on? Pull those results and put them into a super scalable database of of types. So there's you know Prometheus on premises, we have a hosted solution that's running Cortex. Um, you can run Cortex, it's also open source. Um, so that that's kind of the database side of it. InfluxDB, also totally reasonable. You know, people store their stuff in SQL table. It really depends on what you've
1: got, you know. I I chatted with you a while ago. I remember there's a new data source that's a Google Sheets spreadsheet, if I remember right. Exactly. So,
2: so, and again, so by having this kind of common platform for saying this is where I stored my data, how do I get to it? You know, we can show metrics from Prometheus, uh, add some sort of ancillary information next to it based on stuff that's from Google Sheets. You can also have some people still have stuff in New Relic and uh, Splunk, Dynatrace. So we have plugins that help you connect Mm. to those and show them all in the same way. Um, So as far as getting data into it, it's really about picking what makes sense for your application, for your problems. One, making sure they're instrumented to, to express what actually, when you're seeing problems or trends or need to change something, what are those? And how and where do we collect them? And then Grafana just points to them and presents them.
0: Okay, yeah. I think I was thinking it more like It's the the store of all the data and the visualization engine on top of it. But what you're saying makes total sense. Like, decouple those two things. They don't need to be the same thing.
2: Well, what's really interesting is you say that and people will give, and it's a great position to be in, people will give Grafana credit. So when people use Grafana as the end user, they'll say, Grafana is broken. But what they really (laughs) mean is, like, you haven't scaled your InfluxDB in a way that the queries that were hitting it, you know, you build a dashboard that shows me, you know, it's, it's has a query that's written so that you see the last 15 minutes of data refreshing every, you know, 10 seconds. And then someone comes along and zooms it out to the last year of data with the same query. And you're like, ah, it's <laughs> like that. become like, Grafana is broken. But, you know, there is always this interplay of what are the data sources? What are the lines? Um, mm-hmm. I think is a great position to be in to have, essentially be trusted as the source to that because I feel strongly that the choices of those, both the data format, how you structure it, where it lives, what process it goes through, that's going to change over time. Um, And there's so many ways of doing it that make a lot of sense, but you know, uh, you have to live with it over time in another in another series and so Grafana is the front end to help you see that in a
1: consistent way okay right well this is this is day two cloud so I'm curious to know do the major cloud providers, let's say uh, AWS Azure Google Cloud, do they have any special hooks or tie-ins or can act as a data source in some way that uh, that Grafana can make use of? So we have out
2: of the box kind of data source plugins for all the major cloud providers so uh stack driver which is now i want to say cloud monitoring i think they've got a new name there's uh, uh CloudWatch, um we're sort of increasing the set of amazon services that are um uh that are coming out. So I'm actually right now working on a time stream, the mythical time stream uh, Amazon uh, <laughs> data source right now. Uh, there's the Azure, um, sort of the whole
0: Azure suite of
2: metrics all can be exposed in Grafana out
0: of the box. Okay, so yeah, if I'm running Azure app service and I want to pull the metrics from Azure monitor for that app service, Grafana can do that and visualize something, something cool for me. <laughs> Exactly. You you
2: install Grafana, there's a data source setting where you put in sort of where your workspaces are, and then we'll hit those cloud providers. So this goes back to your question of scale. It's like the scale that has to happen is really in those data sources. So when yeah. you're using the cloud data sources, that all kind of comes along.
0: Uh-huh. Right. Now, now we're pointing at all these different data sources, and I guess they can be structured in a lot of different ways. And some of the data could even be somewhat unstructured. So is there some general guidance around data format or like do you have to write i guess plugins or something for grafana to interpret different data sources and formats?
2: All right. So you you're getting to the heart of of you know, I've always, I've been super excited about grafana for a very long time, but it's also a super simple application and has been for a really long time. Like for a long its success is built out of essentially it was built as a connection to graphite uh and showing you a graph that looks good really easily over time other data sources essentially got expressed so that they could look like a graphite response which is a set of series which is a time and a value pair right super simple like no types, no nothing, like time and a value so we could put some graphs along a line. And it's, you know, a good-looking graph that works well. Um, that data model hadn't really changed, and then people would want to check, like, uh, oh, what's in a SQL table? And so we would make a SQL call and then just pump back, essentially, like, oh, okay, that's not really that's not really a series data, so it's just a dump of, you know, here's a... So an arrays of some arrays, but with no types at all. So every visualization has to figure out what it is and, and format it however it thinks is necessary, which is really hard, which mm-hmm. I'd say is sort of totally hindered the diversity of those plugins. So they work really well for time series, and everything else is pretty rough. Um, mm the biggest change I've pushed for since joining Grafana is actually having real types. Um, uh, So we are now sort of in our latest release. So Grafana seven, which was about a month ago, um, maybe two months time flies, but uh, the biggest change is that the underlying data model of this whole thing is it's we're using Apache arrows data frame. So a time series is the super simple data frame where you've got a time column and a, value column. But when you do want to represent more complex data, it fits naturally into a format that, I'd say, a wider community than us has figured out, this is how we could represent a table of structured data. Mm. Um, So I'm super excited about that, though I'll say, logistically, we're kind of at the edge of, we now connect to data sources and return them in this format we're sort of beginning to do what happens when we add interesting metadata to it like this Mm. query actually represents a gauge where the raw response from the query says that i'm a histogram so now i as a visualization should just be a histogram instead of our historic model is query a time series and then when you design the dashboard you have to synchronize what your query was with your visualization. So we're kind of on a path to have that all come from the data source, come from the queries, so that the -the out-of-the-box experience can be much better and that panels themselves don't have to make all those choices and inferences.
0: It's interesting how projects evolve. I know one, one of the projects that I work with a lot is HashiCorp's Terraform, and the original version of that had no strong typing for anything. So everything was kind of a string, and you just had to deal with the vagaries of everything just kind of being a string. And then they recently added, uh, um, upgraded to uh, Configuration Language 2, which added real types. So there's actually a string and a number, and you can make a complex object, and it's not... It's, it's not awful anymore. So it's like, we're all,
2: we're all just growing up. <laughs> but it's a tra- it's also a trade off, though, because I struggle it is. with it too. Is the, the, I'd say a huge part of the success of Grafana's existing plugin ecosystem was the simplicity of Angular. Essentially, mm-hmm. it was an untyped Angular application that you could write, and you just got these like, here's an object, like do with it as you will. <laughs> There's essentially no contracts around it, which was really powerful, but like a biggest nightmare to maintain. And so mm-hmm. again, when I look at the last year, you know, the things I'm talking about are super basic. The part that's actually a challenge is that we managed to essentially maintain backwards compatibility through this upgrade path of mm-hmm. stuff that has no types and <laughs> no... uh um, contracts and sort of get it sort of merged into something that's
0: a much uh, you know much more reasonable to work with. Right. Today's episode of Day Two Cloud is sponsored by Datadog, a monitoring platform for cloud scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. And it integrates seamlessly with AWS, so you can start monitoring EC2, RDS, ECS, and all your other AWS services in minutes. Visualize key metrics, set alerts to identify anomalies, and collaborate with your team to troubleshoot and fix issues fast. Try it yourself by starting a free 14-day trial and installing the agent. Plus, you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. Visit datadog.com slash day2cloud to get started. That's datadog.com slash D-A-Y-T-W-O cloud to get started.
1: So, we, so we've been talking about data, data formats, the how Grafana excels with time series data, particularly. Um, how how can I display that data in Grafana? That is, what is it? what can I make it look like just a, a simple uh, a. Uh, like a bar graph or like line graphs in the series, those kind of predictable things. There are other novel visualization choices I might have.
2: Uh, so, within the core set of things, what most people are doing are
1: graphs where uh,
2: the x-axis is time and the y-axis is whatever your series is, hmm. colored however you want. You know, you can make those bar graphs. There's uh, those can become uh, a heat. Essentially, heat maps where there's bucketed, bucketed histograms. So that's like the most common. Then there's like the single stat version of it. As you've made a query, you get a value, and you want to show that on a dashboard, perhaps with a trend. Those are kind of the the
1: bread and butter. And oh, oh, also like like currently, this link is used at seventy five percent, and that's up. You know, headed up that kind of a thing. That kind of thing. exactly
2: the the trend line and the current value formatted however you need. Uh, In addition to that, there's obviously a table panel where you query and put the results formatted as a table. So those are like the main ones. The structure of this whole thing is, you know, it's a dashboard. There's boxes on a page. The contents of those boxes is an extensible plugin framework where the visualization that you put in there is, you know, react component at this stage so for specific applications like going back to the hydroelectric turbine i had like within there we could add buttons that was like an emergency stop of like hit this and the whole thing will shut down because something's wrong or uh, some things that would show like um, fft data over time so super high resolution uh, frequency charts that you know are not standard grafana panels again the part i'm super excited about with now that we have much stronger types and a common platform is we can pull a lot of the hard part of building visualizations out of the visualization itself and sort of pre-process it so um so that's that's something i'm super excited
0: about. right i'm curious like So if I'm a person who's consuming Grafana and I want to build my own query, do I have to be like a a SQL expert or, (laughs) or or some other programming language or as an ops person, can I, is is it fairly natural to build these queries and build these displays for myself?
2: So again, the answer is very dramatically depending on the data source you're looking (laughs) at. Right. So uh, I'd say the huge success of Grafana early on was a, WYSIWYG point-and-click query editor for Graphite. So Mm. essentially just browses the tree of available signals and then adds those as um, series on the graphs. Different data sources, I'd say do that. Some better than others. Some of them, the people, you know, People love custo I don't understand it, but people love <laughs> custo um, and super powerful. So, you know, there is a raw Custo editor there. You can also say within an Azure data source, like what metrics exist and pick those selectively. But power users tend to switch to the um,
1: actual raw query editors. So. Mm. It, it, but yeah. so, so something like like snmp data let's say i'm pulling a network device and i want to do something like utilization i got to do some math there to be able to plot that graph so I, I could do something straightforward like that
2: so with snmp that's just telling you what the current state is and you've got a data set that is coming you know a database is coming along pulling that putting it into prometheus putting it into influx putting it wherever you put it typically it's that data source that does the averaging over time, that does the buckets, um, that tries to line them up. So really, it's a, can you write a query that shows something reasonable from whatever your polling sample is? Um, One thing I'm super excited about, again, with this changes in 7.0 is by always requiring the data source to do that math that's great for powerful data sets data sources you know prometheus if you got everything in prometheus you're good like just use prometheus (laughs) it's going to work great uh same thing for influx like it's it's got incredibly powerful languages but if you're trying to do like you know here's some data from prometheus but i've got some constants stored in say google sheets like can you add those together so,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, these were my thresholds that I'm looking at, like what's the difference between these things or other things that we're running into or things like, you know, I've got my same data that I'm sending both to New Relic and to Splunk. You know, it should be the same. And for the most part, it is. There are times where it's different. Uh, and those are actually interesting. It's like, when, it, when, does it, when does it differ? And what does that mean? So one thing I'm like, super excited about this framework now is we have a layer called transformations that essentially will do those queries in the separate data sources and then internally to Grafana we'll do some math on them so it sort of raises our bar of what you can do
1: you're crossing that line, Ryan. You're crossing the line between what Grafana does and what the data sources do. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, uh, so I'm I'm
2: treading I'm treading carefully here. It's, it's, yeah.
0: Right, right. But you're you're describing a situation where you're pulling from multiple data sources and you want to tr- do something with that information before you display it, and you can't rely on any one of those data sources to do that. So. Where would you put that tool? You could try to pull it all into another, like a third data source and have that do the work. But now you're adding a whole new component and complexity. Or you could just add it to Grafana. Like, I I don't know. It's a design choice. And I'm not sure which one is the right one. But I kind of like where the angle you're coming from with it.
2: And I I mean, again, I want to be careful to say that our choice here is that it's at the simple level. Because I think in a real system, if you're thinking really carefully about it, the more you can sort of have all your tools be in a database with a consistent language where you know if you're doing a query, you're actually hitting all the points. That's usually the right choice. Like In Grafana, for example, when you query a series within a time range, and then we can show you the mean value within that, That mean value, is it based on the series that you brought back or is it based on the actual underlying points? Like those are two very different queries. Mm. And so it takes, like people need to understand their data and their infrastructure in order to know what that (laughs) means. But it's also like how complex (laughs) do you want to get, right? It's like, I want to build a graph where I show some stuff by putting (laughs) some simple (laughs) queries there. And this transformations feature is kind of right on the edge. And honestly, for me, it's really like, what are the what is the minimum set of features that we need to build reasonable visualizations? Um, hmm. Like, I, I think, I think PromQL, I think you know uh, SQL, those are always going to be way more robust languages. Um, but with transformations, we're looking at a way of like, what are some simple operations we can do across results that help visualizations.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, not opening Pandora's box too widely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But careful. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough, you've, again, you've crossed the line so that the box is open just a crack. Yeah. But it has well, been okay.
2: the part that I just want to be clear. It's been open for a while. We're just, I think it's important <laughs> to be clear about it. Because um, the difference of like querying a database and getting your results from there versus then processing those results, those are very different things, but we do it all the time.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been talking about more or less a single data source and how we present that. How do we visualize that? What can we do with it? How can we transform the data, et cetera, but it's not going to be a single data point we're necessarily looking at. There's probably a dashboard with a bunch of different data that's on the screen. Can you talk through Grafana dashboards, how people use them typically? Um, just what comments you have. Uh, so dashboards are, I mean, they're,
2: say the strength of Grafana is its flexibility and probably some of its downside is its flexibility, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, when you start a dashboard you get an empty dashboard where you add a panel to it, where you connect to a data source, and then people figure out like what data makes sense together. Um, but that takes a lot of effort and you have to really understand what you're getting at, uh, on Grafana.com and sort of within Grafana, we have a method to share dashboards. Because you know, if I'm looking at a if I'm looking at a telegraph ingest rate as a as a statistics, building a dashboard where you put, you know, what the ingest rate is, what the disks are doing, what the CPU is doing, um, takes a bunch of effort, but then I can take that and publish it in this kind of shared environment where people can see what other dashboards look like and import those into your own environment. Um, People tend to import them and then edit them a bit more. So it's still a bit of a mess, but uh, there's massive flexibility, I'd say, with what you display next to what. um, And it's super context dependent, Mm -hmm. unless you're talking about very sort of standard rigorous patterns within organizations.
1: So it sounds like I can shoot myself in the foot. I can hang myself. Um, I can also, however, if I do it right, make something that's useful. And I guess the big the big deal would be understanding your data and what it means to a particular consumer of that dashboard uh, to put something together well. So for example, I could put a dashboard together that's meaningful to executives for whatever reason and something that's meaningful to infrastructure operators, uh, which would be something very different. Absolutely, and again, I'd say the power
2: is being able to cross that line, but you do have to be careful about it. Like the statistics that we're showing for sort of exec level dashboards, which are sort of aggregates of impact versus underlying causes. Like those, those are very different things. So we have, yes. uh, you know, we have some customers who are essentially aggregating, I'll just say, ATM usage and understanding what downtimes mean as far as dollar figures per hour over time. So there's a the one view that's like, across my 30 divisions of this organization, where do Where do outages sort of matter the most and where to put all your resources into fixing them? So one is like that high level. And then the other is like, all right, within that outage, how do you understand what's happening? Where where are the causes um, and where to investigate? So the flexibility is the power of Grafana. And I'd say right now, solutions like New Relic and uh, Splunk, which are great, they have a lot of control over what your data is and what you mean by them. And so the dashboards that you get out of the box are meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, with Grafana, it's kind of the opposite of like you're you're a little bit on your own. It's wild west. You know, it's open source. It's free. You have to provide context for that data you're looking at. Which is responsibility. It's a yeah. whole bunch of things. like. I am looking for ways that we can help make that a, a shorter, a smaller gap, right? Mm-hmm. Can we know from your metrics what your what kind of context you're looking at and sort of help you through that so that you can get a similar out-of-the-box experience?
1: So the Just moment, say machine learning and AI, Ryan. That's all you got to do. Just say that, and that, that's all the context we need. <laughs> that'll fix it.
2: I'm actually going to back up to... to and like the number of times that people talk about predictive analytics and machine learning helping fixing, say, you know, is, it happens all the time in hardware development. It's like, oh, if we could only analyze this data. It's like there is no case where something broke where you're not like looking at a graph and you see a line going down or a line going up. And are like a derivative gets you there most of the time. So uh, <laughs> you
0: mean. mean- I don't need to I don't need to implement all these complex machine models and uh, and uh AI uh up running up in the cloud just looking at a at a line and what direction it's going might be enough to tell me that something's about to break.
2: Often often is what say. <laughs> <see. laughs> uh, I'm sure there's value there. Um, I don't want to disparage too much. But uh, now the, the joke but I mean, honestly, that's how I came to Grafana was right. lines pointing up or down is really what you need in a context to know is something
0: going well or poorly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you've if you've taken statistics and you understand regression, you'll know that's like what ninety nine percent of the ML and AI stuff is doing. Is that that's it. It's just stat one oh one and then you know, every once in a while somebody's doing a little more than that. But that's that's not something that's baked into Grafana right now. Like you're not claiming any of the uh ml ai (laughs) no (laughs) magic
2: there are there are various plugins and sort of data source wrappers um some i've seen that will try to do i'd say pattern detection on results within it but i still have never seen it come out with anything useful i'd say but (laughs) again i'm i the lines at which Grafana is kind of opinionated here is that you have data, you know, those data may be machine learning models, and then you want to visualize them and sort of some hooks in there. But I don't see us getting into a position of off, like, you know, maybe there would be third party
1: tools. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> right. Can, can Grafana be a data source to other tools, Ryan, or is it only a consumer of data sources? uh what do you mean well so grafana knows all this stuff and is plotting all of this data for me and i've got graphs and dashboards and okay so it knows things or it yeah it appears to know things so <laughs> could it share that knowledge with uh with like, other to other tooling
2: so can you request sort of this standard format out of these other things and the answer is yeah yeah, yeah, so the data source, all of the calls that we make are, you know, this is a standard web application where all of the requests are API-driven REST calls. That uh, So if you were building an application where you wanted to use sort of Grafana to configure data sources and what queries are possible, um, that's that's a reasonable way to do it. Honestly, I haven't yet found a place where that made sense i know i I'd, I'd started with that um but ended up just making a bunch of
1: custom panels to put in grafana because <laughs> uh, well that that's kind of what it feels like right grafana is an endpoint it's a consumer it's visualization you know using it as like an aggregator of data or anything like that doesn't really feel like why you what you do with it but i was just double checking there wasn't something i was missing yeah no it's I see it as the place that you interact with
2: the diversity of your data, infrastructure, resources. Um, It's where, you know, I know I'm not the standard user, um, but it's where I look to actually extend it into adding the kind of custom applications and interfaces that help me actually interact with my infrastructure i know that's also when you talk about pandora's boxes that's like another great (laughs) big one Like, do you want your monitoring tool to actually affect the system and you know there's very good reasons to have that not be possible but in the sort of spectrum
1: of how grafana gets used i think there's a lot of really good cases for that Hmm. So when I'm working with Grafana, I typically think of the UI. Um, there's the you know, the web interface that's there, but are there other interfaces? So, for example, let's say I habitually stand up—I uh, don't know—a new um, EC2 instance or something, and I I know in my pipeline that I want to monitor something about that in Grafana. Can I automate that via an API? Let's say. Uh,
2: so again, if you're talking if you're talking about these kind of standard cloud provider infrastructure, those guys make their money by automating the uh, the storage and collecting of metrics and usage of that, right? So they uh-huh. that's huge part of their business. and they all we also have dashboards that help you visualize that. So if you're sort of in the standard, uh, workflows within these big cloud providers, there's a set of dashboards pretty much for each of them that help you connect to the metrics that show, I mean, EC2 instances, there's a ton of mm-hmm. templates that get you pretty far in understanding your AWS usage.
0: Right. A- another potential use case I think of is, let's say I do application deployments to Kubernetes and I have the standard deployment mm-hmm. that I'm doing and mm-hmm. as part of that deployment process, I want to add a panel to Grafana for this new instance of the deployment? Is that something I could just have happening in my pipeline is roll out the application, ping Grafana, and add this panel?
1: Yeah, without me having to go into the Grafana UI and, you know, touch it. So
2: as far as how the names and what are shown, what's shown is driven, my guess in that case is, you know, the various pods all expose themselves through an API of, you know, like, again, within Prometheus, there's a bunch of standard tags that let you show that. So either the panels within Grafana can repeat across essentially a query of, I want a query for pods that represent Uh, X. So you can drive the layout of your dashboard based on the
1: X query. It, you're describing what sounds like a. Um, if you write the correct query, it's going to auto discover new things because if yeah. you've written an overly restrictive query, it would not. But if you've written the query correctly, yeah. then it's going to yeah. auto expand exactly effectively. And in in particular with
2: Kubernetes, where you're looking at resources that by design come on and offline, like how do you represent those? Uh, 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 right, is a right. pretty standard pattern where. You wouldn't want to have to edit the dashboard to represent those. If you're talking about a new service that's like actually represents new behavior, that's a different question.
0: Right, right. But if I just put the right annotation and label on my resources, and then Prometheus will know to scrape that, and then my panels or my dashboard is smart enough to understand that you're getting stuff from Prometheus include this annotation or label. Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
2: Um, we got it all but, figured so out I'd now. Say the, effort, <laughs> the effort that you would want to put in is more around like what services you're providing, and then yeah, not right. on that kind of operational. This thing got added. That thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard from when you come from an ops background to not think in terms of the device or the box or the thing. And oh, yeah. I built the thing today. Now I gotta run over to the monitoring system and and tell it to monitor the new thing. You know. Thinking about it in terms of labels and short life cycles is, uh, is sometimes a leap to make.
0: Yeah. I, I, but that's I think also there's the beauty of Prometheus, right? right. I think there's something even more to that when you come from the opposite side is we're used to doing stuff in an imperative way. So do this, then do that, then do this thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Kubernetes and a lot of this other stuff is all declarative. So you have to like switch your brain from, no, it's not an imperative series of steps. It's declaring things properly so things just work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels foreign when you're used to like banging away at a CLI to do things. <laughs> the, the one other thing I should actually bring up
2: but without before I forget about it, it's not, it's not in my personal workflow so I often forget about it, but I think it's a super interesting thing added recently is so Grafana has done log like metrics for a long time, log files pretty straightforward, but recently we added tracing. So, distributed tracing is a topic mm. we should also mm. um, consider. Is uh, so at 7.0, we added uh, Jaeger uh, support for Jaeger and Zipkin, which again, depending on the depending on your context, that's a really meaningful addition or not. So. Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, uh, Okay, that's not. Um, I'm aware of what distributed tracing is. We've talked about it on the show a number of times. I got to say, I'm not making the leap here. How is Grafana helping me with distributed tracing?
2: Uh, it is the, a viewer. So it, when it, yeah. when looking at an incident, so assuming you're actually using, uh, uh, you know, you're using Prometheus, and you're using say Loki, and you're using say Zipkin or or Jaeger, right? All three of those things, if your logs reference a trace ID, Mm -hmm. for example, which most of them do, in the same interface, you can go from a graph that shows you some spike, zoom in on it, you get to log files that represent the same time space. Zoom into that, clicking on a log line with a trace ID in it, opens up the trace view right in line. So essentially, the, the, the metrics, logs, and tracing kind of all in one view, hmm. unified vision
1: of that debugging yeah. pipeline. Well, that, that's kind of a big deal you made that point, though, because we've been talking in this show mostly about time series data. You just described the Grafana with a whole different visualization ability. Not that you didn't imply that it can do other sorts of visualizations of the time series. You did say that it could, but that's a really concrete example of what Grafana can display for you outside the bounds of the very typical time series data that most of us think about. Yeah, absolutely those
2: three are pretty close to time series data, you know, logs, <laughs> logs within time range is, you know, it's a string attached to a time series. Like I, the ones I get really excited about that are non time series or is sort of a, a, a side, like operational, uh, um, but l- logs, metrics and tracing all unified is a, is a super powerful story. Distributed yeah. tracing, I think is, is it growing? I mean, you guys know way more about it than I do, but um, it's growing. It's complex. Where it's useful, uh, I, it's complicated. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so I, I think we've touched on most of them. But is there any any other big changes in Grafana Seven that you want to bring up? Because it just seems like you're pretty excited about this release.
2: Uh, I'm both. I feel a little exposed because it's one I I. I pushed for a lot of (laughs) very major changes to it. Um, I hope I didn't move too much cheese, um, if you know the expression. (laughs) Uh, uh, Because, you know, like I acknowledge Grafana is a very beloved platform, uh, you know, super widely used and changing it. I want to be careful that I'm not changing it because I'm this... uh, pushing it towards something that it's not. Um, mm-hmm. So I get a little, I get a little cautious about that. But I, I am super excited to be adding these constraints around like what can we do to make more powerful visualizations. Um, I think some of the pushback is like it's a really it's a tool that's worked really well in very simple cases for a very long time. And adding complexity is adding complexity which is dangerous, which makes it a little more confusing. Um, So I'd say one of the other main changes, it's not, I'm not gonna say it's a main feature, but if you've used Grafana much, the graph panel is like where everything is. Like graph panel is incredibly powerful and it had this concept of series overrides. So it was a, you query for data, you show it in a graph, But the graph panel specifically, you could say, okay, my graph that has label X, I want it to be colored differently and uh, change how it looks. So really powerful, but also pretty low level. Um, And the biggest problem with that is then every visualization had to do it differently. Mm. So one big change in Grafana 7 is pulling out some of that logic into kind of a container So there's a general concept now of fields and field overrides. So field being essentially a column in a table um, with a bunch of properties that go with it and a generic framework for doing those same uh, uh, sort of data-specific configuration that works across panels. So if I set units, it works in the graph panel and a gauge panel and my custom panel. Um, and I don't have to redo that logic. Hmm. That's you know maybe a little
0: in the weeds, but <laughs> it sounds really useful if if you are customizing a lot of things here's here's one place to make the bulk of your customization and then you can tweak things as needed. so you're you're saving people time. and it's all about time
2: <laughs> and importantly, hmm. the one so it's still big push I'm aiming for is. Grafana traditionally, I'd say, is a query to a data source that gets back very poorly typed data where all of the responsibility is in the person designing the dashboard, right? Mm -hmm. When you're designing the dashboard, you have to know what the units mean. You have to know what you want it to look like. So the query visualization isn't entirely up to you. Trying to push some of that responsibility much further down. Like, Can the data source itself say what its units are? Can the data source itself say it's a gauge can the data source yeah. itself say that all right if i can't define that in the panel can i configure that like across my whole organization when i see some, something that is cpu i know i want it colored as you know turquoise i don't know whatever, whatever it is like when i see <laughs> certain fields across my whole infrastructure can i see them in certain ways so i'm really pushing to move more stuff away from the panel editing experience just because it's so, it doesn't scale. It requires so much. So that's kind of the the big trajectory of Grafana that I'm pushing for.
1: Ryan, you and I talked maybe a month ago, and you you, you briefed me on on Grafana Seven and some of the updates. And uh, you know, the flexibility of the platform was uh, was a big thing that you were you're really keen on.
2: i I'm, again. I don't want to be careful to sort of tread this line of by being an answer for everyone, ending up as an answer for no one. So I think it's going to be this this balancing act of making sure Grafana the platform is a is super flexible, sort of rolls with the time, rolls with the fads. You know what comes after Prometheus? What comes after uh, sequel? I don't know. <laughs> it's like whatever. So uh, you know, rolls with those things, but doesn't get lost by not actually having an opinion on how to solve problems or who Mm. is actually using it Um, so So, uh, is it ops our focus or is the iot
1: sort of those out of the box experiences are going to be pretty different so is open source um there's a big community around it there's a lot of people using it Uh, But Grafana also has a commercial variant, I guess. So how does development work? I mean, is it really developed mostly on the commercial side? Is there a big open source development community, contributors, people like yourself before you actually join the organization that are uh, contributing still? So
2: given the architecture, there's an enormous amount of open source contributions towards plugins. So data sources and panel visualizations, there's a super vibrant community of making more connections to data and sort of better visualizations or different visualizations, I'd say. Um, Within sort of on Grafana core itself, I think there's a smaller, it's mostly I'd say Grafana employees that are the bulk of that open source work with people sort of parachuting in occasionally to fix small pieces, but there's very few parts of the core platform that, you know, it is open source, which gives you the security and safety and license to use it, like all the things, but I'd say as a development community, the core parts are, I I wouldn't call that a vibrant open source community, but the plugins themselves are. Mm, Okay. On top of that, we have Grafona Enterprise and then Enterprise plugins that are closed source. So as a company, we've done our best to not to be very clear that it's either Apache license or closed source. Like I don't we don't want to get into this. Like, here's a license where you can use it for X. Like, I mean, maybe we'll get there, but at least for I mean, I don't I don't want to scare anyone by saying that, but like (laughs) we feel really strongly that like we it's super important to be clear on the licenses that it's all Apache or MIT license, and then there's closed source code, and we don't want those to mix. Yeah, Um, Yeah, fair enough. I'm sure you've seen many companies go that path, so... Yeah.
1: Well, Ryan McKinley, thank you for joining us on day two cloud. Uh, we want to give you a chance to leave people with a couple of takeaways. If there's something uh, either actionable or like big points you want to leave people with, since we've been talking about Grafana for almost an hour now, Hey, what are the big things you want to leave <laughs> those folks with? I, I could talk about it for more if you want, but
2: uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, the big, big one is it's, it's open source software. It's easy to try and use, uh, set it up, get going. We are not requiring you to change any infrastructure to use it. You keep your data where it lives in whatever your organization has decided is the right way to do it, and then we can help you visualize it and promote that. And we see that over over the time. So, we're not trying to sort of move other people out of the market or anything like that. It's like your technology stack is probably a good choice work with it where it is um then the other part that i'm personally really pushing is we've made massive improvements to how we deal with plugins um uh, sort of having real types having better contracts around what they do how we'll support them in the future um and just any participation uh, uh contributions are super welcome um you can find me online, no problem. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> Very good. And we got a bunch of links for you if you're listening to the show. If you go to uh, day2cloud.io, we've got uh, a bunch of links in the show notes about Grafana, uh, the GitHub repository documentation, various articles about how to integrate Grafana with the cloud, uh, with your cloud installations and so on. Uh, so thanks again, Ryan, for being on the show and our thanks to you for, uh, for tuning in. Virtual high fives. And if you have suggestions for future shows, we would love to hear them. You could hit either of us on Twitter, either of us being uh, me, uh, Ethan Banks, at ECBanks on Twitter, or Ned Bellavance at Ned1313. A couple of ways you can stay in touch with our community here at Day2Cloud, which is part of the Packet Pushers Network. Uh, the first is the Packet Pushers public Slack group, PacketPushers.net slash Slack. And the second is the Packet Pushers weekly newsletter, Human Infrastructure Magazine. It's free. It doesn't suck. I, we don't think it sucks. And we won't give your email address out to anyone, because we're not... Not awful people. That's back at slash newsletter. And until then, just remember that cloud is what happens
0: while IT is making other plans.